I'm Carlo, Carlo Pietro Sanfilippo, and this is my podcast. With this project, I want to explore the means, methods, tools, and examples of living on purpose, living the life we want, doing the things that light us up, things that make us feel like we're alive, growing, making a difference, and enjoying the process along the way. Welcome to It's the Journey. Okay, everybody, welcome back to It's the Journey. Today, we're going to be talking with Nadine Lorenz. Nadine is my German teacher that I started working with last summer. And when everything was shut down, I was, I was kind of bored and frustrated and angry and just decided that I wanted to gift myself some German lessons just for some mental stimulation, uh, something to do since I couldn't do like everybody, much of anything. And I also kind of wanted to see how my German had held up. Um, aside from our trip to Germany and Austria in 2016, I hadn't really had much of a chance to speak very much German for a long time, 20 years, something like that. And it was fun to see that my grammar wasn't as bad as I thought it was. And even more fun to find out that I had developed an Italian accent <laughs> since I had graduated. <laughs> so um, that was cool. But in the process, you know, when you, when you do these lessons, like I talked about in my episode with Valentina, you're spending, you know, hours with, with someone. And when, especially with what I'm trying to do, where it's mostly conversation, if you are talking with someone for two hours a week, if you don't have anything in common, it's going to be really boring, really boring. And so it was absolutely not boring with Nadine, super fun. Um, Nadine is super smart. She's, she's also very wise and funny, well-traveled. She's had some really cool adventures, um, even in the short time I've known her. And so today I want to dive into some of that, some of what drives her, some of how she's made decisions in her life to hopefully make um, those things more accessible for you. Um, and so currently Nadine is working as a German teacher and she's writing a book to help other people learn German. And uh, yeah, so let's dive in now and meet Nadine. Nadine. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Hello. <laughs> Hello and guten Tag. Guten Tag. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Absolutely. Thanks for joining me. And you're joining me today from... Belgium. Are you still there? Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still there. Yeah, I'm in, the, in Leuven in, in Belgium right now. Leuven. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Named after lions. So Leuven, yeah, it's uh, 30 minutes from Brussels. Okay. Fantastic. That's what's fun about checking in with you. It's like you might be in Portugal or back in Germany or who knows. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So <clears throat> I wanted to check in with you. So right now, about a few different things. Um, one, like you had mentioned to me just in some of our conversations that you had a bit of a similar experience that I did where you felt like a, a bit of burnout from doing a more of a corporate job. And mm -hmm. from that, you decided to make some big changes in your life. Mm -hmm. um, so I want to talk, let's, talk about, let's talk about that, like what you, what you went to school for and what kind of work you were doing in... What led you to where you are now? Well, it's a long journey. That's it. <laughs> that that's, has been a long journey. Perfect. 
Um, well, so my educational background is basically what I've studied German and French literature. Mm-hmm. And, um, but I've actually never worked in that field, you can say. Right. Uh-huh. So I'm, I mean, I've been doing a lot of different things. And the last job that I had that you were mentioning um, was that I was working for um, like a German fashion brand as a visual merchandiser. Oh, cool. Um, and the job itself was really cool. So it was a lot of fun. Um, and I you know, got to travel a lot around Europe or yeah, a lot in Europe. Um, but it was not like you know, that I actually got to experience the places where I went to. It was just really just for work. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so I had um, long working hours. I was working sometimes, you know, these crazy 80 hours a week. Oh. And that's, um, yeah, that's the reason why I had this, yeah, this burnout at the end after two years. And that was um, when I decided that I needed to change something in my life because I, you know, it's like, you know, you had the same thing basically. Um, <clears throat> and that was the moment when I decided to start traveling. Uh-huh. So I always had this this dream of um, going around the world or traveling around the world and um, meeting new people. And also I wanted to do that by myself. Um because, um, you know, before that, I have always been traveling with friends or with, um, you know, my former boyfriend, and um, but never just by myself. And I saw that as a big, uh, like a super big challenge for me. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, and that was, um, that was in 2017, okay. actually. Okay, okay. Yeah. And, um, yeah. Um, and I love that. There's like, I know um, sometimes people wouldn't even go out to dinner by themselves. Like I know mm. I know people that um would never even just go to have a meal by themselves because they would be embarrassed or worry about think what people think about them. And so the idea mm. of traveling by oneself is sometimes very scary for people. Um mm. and is an, an extra you know issue of of traveling alone as as a woman, you know, we're just worrying mm. about that. So let's talk about like because I, I also love tra- to travel by myself, and it wasn't something until I discovered I recently. <laughs> so, what do you what do you like about it, and what are your what you know what advice do you have for someone who might be thinking about that? Is you know how to how to do it and mindsets and strategies and. <laughs> well, I mean, they are not really strategies, you know. Just do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that was always. Um, something about me you know I just did it uh-huh. so um, I think a lot of people are thinking too much about um, you know it's like um, what might happen and um, it's like they are like mostly they think about negative consequences that could come with it mm-hmm. uh, and not about the joy and fun in the first place you yeah. know but that was always for me the thing I always thought about oh yes you know I would love to um, I would love to see Australia or Bali or, you know, um, like, like the world has so many beautiful places to discover. And I just want to see, wanted to see basically everything. Mm-hmm. And well, I mean, what I can recommend, you just pick yourself 
<laughs> country and you just uh, fly there <laughs> and buy a ticket and, and go there and uh, don't make too many plans. Just discover it for yourself. Yeah. Um, I mean, it also depends on, you know, um, what kind of personality type you have. I mean, it's like if you're somebody who needs to plan everything, um, then that's fine as well. But I think I'm just more a person who does not plan a lot. Yeah. So I just bought the ticket and, and you know, <laughs> like went to... But the first, uh, uh, the first place I went to was back then in 2017 was Iceland because my sister was living there back then. Uh -huh. So I just spent, uh, you know, some time with her. And from there, we traveled together to, uh, to the States, to the United States and spent some time there. And then, you know, after that, I was just by myself. Um, but what I... What I did back then was, um, because you also mentioned that traveling, like as a woman by yourself, um, that can be, well, you have to be careful, mm -hmm. you know, you have to be, um, so there are just, there are certain rules that you have to um, keep in mind. And, um, and that was a bit, well, I was a bit concerned about, you know, how can I say this? Um, Well, I was checking on countries first that are safe for women to travel to. Okay. And, um, well, you know, what, what I found out was, for example, Australia is super safe for women. Um, you know, Indonesia is also basically quite safe. Um, um, yeah, that's something I did yeah. you know, for preparation. Um, and also get some vaccines, <laughs> some, uh, some vaccinations <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> against tropical uh, diseases. Yep. But besides that, you know, there's not really much I can, uh, I can suggest, uh, mm -hmm. you know, what needs to be done exactly. before you travel. So just do it. Right. No, no, and, and, and don't overthink it. Okay. Right? Yeah, no, that's really important. And then because, well, most recently you did the trip to Portugal. Yeah. So let's talk about that. I remember that, that, I don't know if you were thinking about that before we start working together, but I remember one day you were like, I'm going to go to Portugal and I'm going to go yeah. hiking. That's, and, and, and you, as much as I feel like I'm traveling more freely, you did it even more so. <laughs> you were like... I, I'm just going to do this. So let's talk about where, where you went, what you did. And because and, and, the other thing I wanted to help dispel too is this idea that, especially American friends, they're like, oh, I want to go to Europe, but it's just so expensive. They just have this idea yeah. that it's going to cost thousands and thousands of dollars. So let's talk about what you did and how you did it and, and maybe help people with that too as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, it's like there are a lot of different options on how you can travel. Of course, you can stay every night in a five-star hotel or you can sleep in, an, uh, in a hostel. You know, mm -hmm. it's like it depends on your needs and um, what you feel comfortable with. Um, to me, it doesn't really matter. You know, it's like um, <laughs> I can make myself feel comfortable in a hostel, but, you know, of course, I also enjoy a five-star hotel, but it's not necessary. Right. Um, but what I did... Last year was I went on a, so in, in Europe, you have a lot of old pilgrimage trails. Mm -hmm. um, and there's one very famous pilgrimage trail that is, um, you know, leading through, um, or not, it's leading to Santiago de Compostela in Spain. Mm -hmm. So it's an old uh, Christian pilgrimage trail. And um, so I did the 
Portuguese version, basically. So I started in in, in a city called Porto, mm-hmm. and I went up um, well 260 kilometers up north uh, to Santiago. So all the pilgrimage trails um, end up in Santiago, the Compostela in Spain. So I did, like I said, the Portuguese version. And um, yeah, again, there, you know, I just um, bought myself a, a plane ticket, um, hopped on the plane, got out in Porto, um, got myself um, like a super cheap room in a, in a hostel, stayed there for one night. And then the next day I just started walking. Um, <laughs> right? so, and there's not much that you need. So the only thing I took with me I remember when I packed my stuff, um, because before I um, went on this on this hike, um, I was staying at my mom's place. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and when I uh, packed my stuff, um, she, you know, she she came into my room and just looked over the things I wanted to pack. I said, "That is all that you're taking with you." <laughs> but, yeah, because you know, it's like you have to carry all the things that you have with you, right? So yeah. you're only there with a backpack, and you don't want to walk for 14 days um, carrying 20 kilos with you, right? Um, <clears throat> so I made it myself a goal to uh, to pack to not pack more than seven kilos. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you imagine. <laughs> so what I had with me was just. Um, you know, some pants and uh, some some hiking boots, and which I threw away after one day because they were just so uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> and what did you wear then? Uh, I had Birkenstocks. <laughs> uh, you know the German Birkenstocks, yep. right? Yep, yep. So I, <laughs> and they were super comfortable. Um, and yeah, some T-shirts, not much. Yeah. The, the only um, thing that I had to carry with me was my, that was a bit more, but actually it was not heavy at all. So it was just my laptop um, because I knew that I wanted to stay a bit longer in Portugal and that I would um, start teaching again from there. So I needed my laptop. Yep. And um, yeah, I just started walking. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so you walked 200 kilometers? 260 kilometers. Which is 156 miles? On Birkenstocks? Birkenstocks. That's great. So this gives us a great opportunity to, to dispel a couple myths too. Because like everywhere, everywhere, there's stereotypes of, of all different people and things like that. And so mm-hmm. Americans especially have a stereotype that all Germans are hyper planning and organized and whatever. And a friend of mine, when my son was in Boy Scouts with his son, if we mm-hmm. went camping and it wasn't backpacking, where it was camping where you like you went someplace and parked and you had all your stuff in your car, he mm-hmm. jokingly called that German camping because you could just throw everything you might possibly need in the car. And that really? was his way of like, he always felt, you know, maybe embarrassed that he had so many things. He's like, oh, this is German camping. It's okay. Because <laughs> he imagined that's what the Germans would do. But here's a great example of where stereotypes aren't 100%. <laughs> like, even your mom's like, what? Um, yeah. But it worked. Yeah, it worked. I mean, you know, um, I think Germans in general are known for being well organized. And I guess, you know, that that is true to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm also organized in, you know, some like 
some other things, but well, you weren't I disorganized. Guess is, yeah, you just were. Yeah, it wasn't you were disorganized. Yeah, you were focused and you had a plan and you knew I have this many kilos I can bring. What are the most important things I need? Yeah, and you weren't going off into. That's the other thing too. Is like, especially for Americans, they're like when you're going all the way on the other side of the planet into a place where maybe you don't know the language. There's this idea that you have to bring everything, even like soap and. Well, like, I mean, we also have stores in Europe. Exactly, so I know. <laughs> but people, I'm sure you've seen this. Like, yeah, that's I, true. I've seen people with. I mean, I always travel with just carry on and a backpack. So a little a yeah. little bag that rolls. No matter how many weeks I've, I think three mm-hmm. weeks is the longest I've been in Europe. And people are always the the Airbnb hosts are always just surprised. Like that's all you have. I'm like, well, yeah, you have a laundry machine and. You know, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I had I had more than twenty kilos, but mm-hmm. <laughs> it's still people are shocked. They're shocked when you when they don't because people bring. You've seen, I'm sure you've seen this, like huge, huge, giant rolling versions of their closet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They're not going to wear even half of it. No. So, um, yeah. No, what's the point? Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Pil- let's talk about a pilgrim because a lot of people that want to know what a pilgrim's trail is. Let's talk, what, what is exactly? Let's go into like a, a holy site or yeah, it's like um, back in the days it was a, um, like a yeah like a pilgrimage trail for Christian pilgrims, mm-hmm. right? So it had some uh, some religious meaning um, to them. But so so these days um, people are doing this trail for various reasons. So they still might have religious reasons, you know, they just want to, I don't know, a lot of people are doing this after they have lost somebody in their lives, or maybe they there was a big turn in their lives, so they lost their job, or, um, you know, it's like life has so many obstacles, and um, sometimes you just need to reflect on it, or, you know, you just need to think about what just had happened, and um, so people do this trail for various reasons. And mm-hmm. well, my reason was, um, you know, I just, um, I just wanted to go hiking, you know, so I just wanted to be out in the nature and I wanted to meet new people. Mm-hmm. Um, because before I went on this trail, um, it's like, I was locked up in at my mom's place due to COVID <laughs> for, <laughs> for some months and I just needed to get out. And, you know, I did not have any social contacts or, you know, when I had social contacts, it was with my students online, uh-huh. um, but I did not meet um, a lot of people. So, um, you know, outside of this uh, digital world. Yeah, yeah. Say. And I really needed some, some real social contacts and, um that was the reason for me why I went on this trail. Yeah. But I also met a lot of people um, who did it actually for religious reasons. Um, and um, for them, it's, well, it's basically, you know, the same thing when, like when Muslims would um, do their pilgrimage to Mecca, uh-huh. right? Mm-hmm. So, um, so Santiago de Compostela has the same meaning to, to Chris, uh, Christian pilgrims. Um, yeah. That's basically it. But I cannot say anything about religious reasons. You know, I'm not a religious person myself. Uh-huh. Um, so I cannot really... Go into uh, all that. Tell, yeah. Okay. yeah, go into all of that. And you said, uh, I think, what's the name of the, the trail again? The St. Jacob's in English? Saint- 
Yeah, in German we say the Jakobsweg. Jakobsweg, so it's like St. Jacob's Way or St. Jacob's Trail. I, I, I'll, I'll post that later. But And you yeah. said a lot of it was an old like Roman road or parts of it were? Yeah, parts of uh, parts of it was uh, still part of, you know, like uh, old or part of old Roman, um, uh, well, basically streets <laughs> or paths or uh, trails. I don't uh -huh. know how you call it. Uh -huh. um, so you have these really old, big, um, how do you call these? Uh, cobblestones, mm -hmm. right? Yes. Um, and they were massive. It's like not these uh, small cobblestones that you would see these days, mm -hmm. um, but like they were super big. Um, and, and you know, so lasted until these days. And I yeah. know you're very much into uh, Roman culture, so that's why I also sent you some pictures <laughs> you did. while I was on the trail. Yeah. Bridges that Romans built thousands of years, you know, more than a thousand years ago that are still being used and... Yeah. I mean, I've seen diagrams of how deep they built the base of their roads, like layers yeah. and layers of rock and gravel and stone, and that's why they lasted so long, you know. Yeah, and they're just, still being used these days. Yeah, yeah. and that's, yeah, that always amazes me because we, we can't build a road here that lasts 10 years, you know, so. Mm -hmm. yeah, <laughs> in, true. in America. The German roads last even longer, I've read, you know, for, for whatever rules that they have that, when contractors build a road, they're supposed to last longer. Really? No idea if that's yeah. true. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I read. Who knows? Maybe it's another myth. Um, so we'll talk, let's talk about language because I know you do know, so, so you obviously speak German and French and what else? A little bit of Indonesian. A little bit of Indonesian. Because I've, yeah, because I've been living in Indonesia for almost three years. Mm -hmm. Um and well, that's it. Mm -hmm. Oh, I started learning Dutch. Dutch, okay, no. cool. There you go. <laughs> yeah. And so in Portugal, uh, how did you get by? What, what did With you English, use the most? Mostly. With English, the most. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I was in. Um, okay, so when I was on the trail, um, so you could, I don't know, I was just stopping at small shops to buy myself like some some bread or. You know, just small things, and the people there—they are used to pilgrims, so they—they um, they know a little English. Um, it was always possible to communicate, and the other pilgrims that I that I met, most of them were from Germany, actually, also a lot from the Netherlands. Um, not that many from the states uh, that year, because well, yeah, due to COVID. COVID yeah. Um, and then when I stayed in Lisbon after doing the trail. Well, you know, like all of the people there, they basically speak English. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, but so, okay. Yes. Yeah, so I just wanted to give people, because that's another thing sometimes people get worried about is, well, what if I go someplace and they don't know English? And there's, there's, there's a lot of people now that you can get by with English and you can also get by with just learning a little bit, you know, yeah. and, and yeah. Pointing and you know, <laughs> you know, you, there's a, there's a will, there's a way, and it's very rare that you're getting to get into such a technical conversation where if you don't know the language, I mean, if you're trying to do a anything big, you're doing for just travel in general, like if you're renting a car, they're used to dealing with tourists, so they're going to know English. But if you walk into a bread shop, <laughs> they know why you're there. <laughs> 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 so there's less risk. <laughs> <laughs> True. 
<laughs> well, I mean, you can always just point at things, but you know, for example, also in um, in Portugal, it's also Roman language. So um, if you, I don't know, if you speak a little bit of Spanish or Italian or French, mm-hmm. um, they will also always understand that. Mm-hmm. You know? um, so yeah, you always get along. It's um, there's always a way, mm-hmm. and even if you just smile and. <laughs> And laugh about that you're not able to communicate. You know, so it works. Exactly. It works out. So there's, yeah, there's always a way. Absolutely. Okay. And then you have to have that sort of attitude. If you're worried about making mistakes or quote looking dumb, then you get in your head and you're worried, and then that's when it's less fun. But the people are happy that you're there. They're happy. If you come into their store, you're a customer, and they're happy. You're you might spend some money, you know. Yeah. So they're, and they're super happy yeah. if you just say in Portugal, for example, "Bom dia," right? So "Hello, good day." Bom dia. So that already is something, you mm-hmm. know. It's like um, you're trying, and um, they highly appreciate that. Yeah, uh, I got one. We'll talk about that. One one of the reviews I got in my book, they mentioned mm-hmm. that it was. I forget the adjectives they used. They said it was, basically the adjective meant it was insulting that if I said you learn how to say please and thank you, they implied that by saying that, that you'll get special treatment. And I was just trying to say, if you make a little bit of an effort, it goes a long way. And that's exactly what, that was my yeah. experience and that's what everyone I've talked to his experience was. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't get you special treatment, but people appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I didn't get special treatment when I want, just wanted to buy the bread. Right. <laughs> right. No. They just gave me the bread. Exactly. And, and gave me a smile. That was it. That's it. Yeah. That, and that's, that's, you know, that's enough. Um, so cool. Um, so I just, I just want to talk, just help people that, that, you know, you can, you know, so staying in a hotel, like what was your average cost per day for that kind of, for that kind of a trip? Um, okay, so I say, because I, I was doing hostel, is that it? Hostel, yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> so um, so when you do this pilgrimage trip, um, you get some kind of um, what do you call that? Like a, like a pilgrimage ID or pilgrim ID. So it's like a like a little um, piece of paper where you always get stamps um, of the albergue. That's how you call the hostels on the pilgrimage trail, Albergi. Okay. Um, so you get a stamp, um, you know, from all of these Albergis. You're kind of collecting them on your way to Santiago. <laughs> and um, and then these Albergis, you you don't pay much, you know. So you just show your ID um, and it tells them that you're a pilgrim. <laughs> and then you're allowed to stay in this Albergi for eight euros max per um, per per night, so it's super cheap. Eight right? euros, okay. Does that include breakfast? Breakfast too, no. or no? Okay, no. Um, so, because I know some of the hostels I stayed at in Germany and Switzerland and different places, you paid a price. Oops, and it included uh, breakfast. But so eight dollars is your room, and your was it a private room or is it a room with other people? No, it's a room with other people, but you have, um, you know, it's like all kinds of different types of albergues. So sometimes you have an albergue where there is, um, where you sleep with 10 other people in a room. Um, but sometimes you also have, 
you know, like a single room and breakfast is included and still you would only pay eight euros. Wow. It always kind of depends a bit where you, where you which had. One so it for is. example, yeah, which one it is. So for example, I also had one, it was not really an albergue, but it was, um, it was also on the pilgrimage trail. So right next to it, some kind of small hostel mm-hmm. um, that was run by a super nice lady whose name was Fernanda. It was Fernanda's castle. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> and she, yes. And she was so nice. She was like, a, um, so she invited all the pilgrims that, um, that were, um, who were staying there for that night mm-hmm. um, for, for dinner. So she was cooking herself for everyone. And there was a huge table where we were all sitting around and just had dinner with her and was so delicious. You know, it was um, a ho- home-cooked meal wow. from Fernanda. And, oh. um, you know, she told um, some some stories and, uh, you know, some other pilgrims who were passing by and who, who had been staying with her and it was yeah it was it was a really nice um experience you know you met a lot of i met a lot of cool people there um and it was a super nice experience so it's not always the same type or kind of hostel so it's it's always a bit different yeah and that's also you know so one of them was an actual castle yeah (laughs) (laughs) well i mean that that's i want to Emphasize that because I have, I have friends that that are saying that oh I they dream of going to Europe and they just think it can't because they think it's going to cost thousands of dollars because that's what some people do spend and some yeah. people spend thousands of dollars just to go to Disney World where here you're saying for eight dollars a night per person you have a clean safe warm bed to sleep in. And then yeah. you've got this experience of walking on a road built by Romans 2,000 years ago and walking through little villages and seeing life, lifetime memory kind of things. Yeah. yeah. I just remembered actually, you know, um, it's like Fernanda, she did not even take eight euros. Um, so everything there was based on donations. So she said, um, you know, you give me what you have or what you can give, what you're able to give. Um, and that's it. Wow, and, uh, I cannot remember how much I gave her, but um, it was a bit more than eight euros because, <laughs> because you know, what she provided there was it was I don't know, it was like all the food, and um, she put so much effort and love into everything that she was doing. So she was living for you know hosting yeah. pilgrims. That was her passion, basically, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, that was a super nice experience. I love that. That's that's because <clears throat> I want to help people realize that this is. If this is something you really want to do, it's completely possible. Because even mm-hmm. when the, my boys and I went to um, Salzburg, um, Rick Steves, a lot of Americans will know who he is. He's got these really great travel books. And mm-hmm. he gives recommendations for everywhere you're going to stay from least expensive to most expensive. And so mm-hmm. I found a place in Salzburg that was a convent turned hostel. And the nuns ran it. I mean, it was... It was so old, like the graveyard adjacent to it is where Mozart's family was buried. His dad mm-hmm. and his sister and mom. And so it's been there for centuries. And that was, I think, $20 per night per person and included breakfast. It was, a, it was not a roll. It was like yeah. meat and cheese and danishes and coffee and juice and everything you could possibly want for a big hearty mm-hmm. you know, breakfast for, for 20 euros. You know, yeah. which is obviously more than eight, but it's not 
hundreds, you know. Exactly. So. I mean, it's like, um, I think like for the whole trip, for this whole pilgrimage, I did not spend more than 500 euros. And I was, you know, traveling for two weeks. Wow. Basically. 500 um, euros. Wow. Maybe, I don't know, 450 or something. Incredible. I, I don't know. Okay. Yeah. And so that's another example. So like for people coming from America to go to there, if you can get a credit card and use that for your purchases and that will save up, it, it might take you two or three years, you can build up enough points so you have a free airline mm -hmm. ticket. And then for literally five, $600, you could spend two weeks in Portugal hiking on this ancient trail, if that's what you're into. If you're into yeah. the five-star stuff, then you need to save some more money. <laughs> that's possible as well yeah. you know it's like there are also pilgrims that would uh, sleep in a five-star hotel yeah so for every need <laughs> there's the right hotel <laughs> just depends on what you want cool so. so it's spaced it's obviously spaced out so that you can hike to the next town or so al they call them all albergues is that a word they use in German at all albergo uh, well we so in Germany we would say Herberge Herberge okay Herberge, and okay. yeah, there they would use the term albergi. Okay. In Italian, albergo means hotel, so albergi mm -hmm. would be plural. Mm -hmm. So it's probably related, yeah, yeah. <laughs> On French, it's uh, auberge. Auberge. So it's the same, yeah, the same thing. Yeah. Sweet. I love that. Um, so great, there's a perfect example. Like you just were, you're like, I'm tired of being locked in my house and yeah. I'm just going to go to Portugal and do this hike and you had a great adventure for not a lot of money. It was beautiful. Yeah. I think it was one of the most beautiful trips I've ever been on. Yeah, it was absolutely amazing. Love yeah. it. Well, you've you've uh, you've already convinced me to go as soon as I can, so. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I, I told you several I, times. <laughs> I know. Yep. No, I have to I feel like I would be uh, in trouble if I didn't. So, <laughs> <laughs> Have you booked um, your ticket? Not yet, because you can't you can't buy tickets to Europe yet. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, because yeah. of the lockdown. Okay, so I wanted to hit on, and we're not we're not doing this in any grand with grand schemes. So, like you you had a career and you were frustrated with that. You decided you wanted to take some space from that, and so did you immediately go in to start teaching right away so that you could afford to do the things you wanted to do? Or no, not really. I mean, like first I was living off my savings. Mm -hmm. Um, so I was traveling yeah, quite a bit and then, um, you know, eventually my money ran out. <laughs> 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 I might need to work again. <laughs> and back then I was in Indonesia and in Indonesia, you, you know, you're not allowed to work um, in the country when you're a foreigner. Mm -hmm. So I needed to do something online. And then, yeah, that was the point when I, um, when I started teaching, basically. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, and because your background in, in uh, learning languages, it gives you, yeah. gave you some ability to think about how to teach languages. Yeah, I mean, it's like, um, I think I said that when we started um, in our session here. Um, so I, I studied uh, French and German literature. Mm -hmm. So I had this background. And, um, but during my studies, I was also, you know, for some semesters focusing on science of language. So that also gave me the necessary background to, um, you know, to be teaching languages, basically. 
And um, yeah, and already back at university, I was tutoring, you know, so I had, you know, it was like this tutor experience um, from back then. Um, but of course, teaching a new, a new language to somebody is, you know, it's like a whole different thing than talking about literature. For sure. With, <laughs> right. So, um, so I also needed to, um, you know, to wrap my head around this new way of teaching because to me that was also um, new. Uh-huh. Um, but, you know, with everything, you just start doing it and you learn on the way. And um, yeah, I've been doing or I've been teaching ever since. Um, so, and I started that in 2000. Wait, which year do we have? Is 21. I started in yeah. 2018 or 19. I, I can't remember. <laughs> I think in 2019. In, in COVID times, time isn't a thing anymore. It's all just kind yeah. of blurred together. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> um, okay, so are you still, so for someone who might want to, because I've had some friends say, I th- have asked about learning German and I know I've passed mm-hmm. your name on to a few people, but if, are, you, are you taking new students right now? No, not at the moment. Um, okay. So I have so many students at the, at the moment, I cannot you know, accept any new students. Um, so no. Okay, <laughs> not right now. Okay. But maybe, <laughs> not may, right now. Maybe in the future. But you are working on a book to, to help people. Want to talk about that? Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah. So, um, well, so I've written a book um, that is for German language learners that would be maybe at level A2. So that means you already have a basic knowledge of um, of the language. Um, You're able to hold a conversation, um, you know, but, well, I don't know. There's still a lot of vocabulary missing probably um, to talk about, uh, you know, more, how can I say that, Um, to dive deeper into a conversation. Mm -hmm. Um, And for this kind of level, there are not a lot of, uh, not a lot of good books on the market. You know, you have some books, um, but they are always about, but it's always the same stories. Like two friends, they travel to Europe and or they travel to Germany and then they arrive at the airport. So they're asking, um, how do I get to the city center or where can I, um, where's the next cinema? Like these kind of things, you know, yep. it's always the same story. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wanted to create a story that is a bit more, I don't know, it's just a bit a bit more fun to read. Yeah. Um, and so I wrote this story. And um, so what I'm doing in my book is I'm I'm giving um like a literal translation with it and a semantic translation. So that means um, a literal translation is basically a word-for-word translation. Mm-hmm. Um, because I figured when I started learning Indonesian, um, for me it was really hard to wrap my head around you know the concept of this language Mm -hmm. and um so because it's just so so different compared to um you know how german works Mm -hmm. um that it i i really had a hard i never had a harder time learning a language than when i started learning indonesian and what helped me back then was um, I came across a book that gave literal translation. So okay. maybe just an example is, um, um, so I am German, right? So this in Indonesian would be Saya Orang German, which means literally um, I, human being, German. 
right? Yep. So, but when you read the sentence, um, to me, that didn't make any sense. It was just so weird. Um, but it helped me to have like a literal translation for it. So what does each word actually mean? Um, so, and that is what I'm doing with this book as well. So I give a literal translation and then also semantic one. So that means, you know, how would you actually really say it? Mm -hmm. Right. Um, yeah. So this is kind of the concept. And, um, and in addition to that, I'm working a lot with, um, you know, cognates. Um, so cognates are basically, um, words in two languages that have a similar meaning, pronunciation, or whatever. So, for example, um, in German, we have the word Vater, right? In English, it would be father. Mm -hmm. So you see how similar these words are. And um, and that has something to do with the origin of the, of the languages, right? So you have, uh, so both like German and English are Indo-Germanic languages. So mm -hmm. we share a lot of common vocabulary and people are just not aware of it. So when you start out um, learning German and, you know, you have some, you're a native English speaker, um, you already have a lot of vocabulary um, that you could use in German as well. You're just not aware of it. Mm -hmm. And um, that's also something that I'm, you know, integrating or that I've been integrating in my book. Yeah, and those are as I was thinking back through learning German years ago. Those that was exact when my teacher would give us a a new list of vocabulary. The first thing I would do is find all the words that reminded me of an English word. I'm like, oh, Hund, you know, oh, that's dog, yeah. you know, yeah. and yeah, Vater, Muta, and even the days of the week, Montag, you know, it's like yeah, they're so exactly. they were so similar that it was like okay, it's just a little bit different. And then then you come across the word like. Cravata that has nothing to <laughs> doesn't sound like that's the word for like a tie like a necktie. Italian. Um, yeah, it's Italian, but I didn't know Italian at the time, so um, it <laughs> it was a completely foreign word for me. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, and then the the literal translation as well is is, is helpful too because like like you know the dangerous thing of saying. Uh, in English, I am hot. Uh, in German, you say, I feel hot. <laughs> and it can be dangerous if you say, I am hot. Ich bin heiß. Ich bin heiß. Oder ich bin warm. You know, yeah. Like, ich bin weiß is like basically you're horny, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> so if you, the literal translation is, I feel, <laughs> ich fühle mich heiß. I, f I feel myself warm. Right. All right. Yeah. Hot. Hot. Yeah. Or you would rather say, um, "Mir ist heiß." Mir right? ist heiß. Okay. And then the literal translation for that would be, "To me, it is." To me, it is hot. hot. Yeah. Yeah. So. Which sounds, sounds super strange in English. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or I have hunger. Ich habe hunger. Yeah. <laughs> like I have hunger. <laughs> ah, you know. <laughs> But those, you know, scary. <laughs> no, it, sounds, it sounds like a, it sounds like a condition. What's going on with mm. Carlo? He has hunger. Oh gosh. <laughs> <I'm serious. laughs> like, but then, then there's the, the, I think it, it create for me later in life, as I start thinking about it, it creates a, a temporary, that, that's just, you're saying what you have is a, a temporary condition Versus something you are, we say, I am hungry. Mm, and it yeah, sounds very true. permanent. And this yeah. thing that's, 
more overwhelming versus I have the con- I have the conditions of hunger, and it's it yeah. sounds more solvable. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. You're right. I never thought about that. You're you're right. Yeah. Um. I mean, that's like you know, you're not identifying yourself with um with this condition. Hmm. Um. It's more zen to say. This grand statement of I am hot, I am hungry. It sounds very permanent. If you I am, that sounds like you are that thing, but it's a temporary state. Yeah, true. Yeah. Even, well, in German, they say I am so many years old, right? Ich bin. Okay. In Italian, I don't know how it is for Spanish. Maybe is it French? In French, um, they'll say I have this many years. Is that yeah, it's the same in French. Same in yeah. French. So again, because it's a temporary state. Mm-hmm. It's like at this point, I have this many years, but it's not. It's not what I am because next year I won't have that many years. I'll have that many years plus one. Mm, true. I never thought about it that way. Yeah, but you're right. Yeah. So it's interesting to me, like how language. Who was it? Um, Oliver Wendell Holmes said, "Words are not dead and lifeless things." but rather the skin of a living thought. <gasps> That's beautiful. It is. And like the word, <laughs> I, I love it. It's like, I heard it years ago. So the, the words that we say influence the structures of our thought and our reality. And mm-hmm. for me, that's one of the most fun things about learning another language is, is how cultures describe states or things or experiences that if, that impacts how their brain sees that reality, mm-hmm. um, and we're talking about that because yeah, yeah, the difference between the difference between how people state things and that it can affect your mood and stuff like that. So, your book with those literal translations will help. It doesn't explain all those things, but it people will see. Oh, in this in German, you do it this way, and but it, what it means is this but it, it, yeah. it will probably trigger people to think well, that's that's curious well why oh no why why do they say it that way or why do we say it this way um mm-hmm. you know tim ferris mm, i'm not sure i'm not good with names okay he's an american author and he's mm-hmm. written a few books and he has he's a very successful podcast but he had a similar experience that i did with traveling to germany except he did he studied japanese mm-hmm. and went over there on an exchange trip in high school and something he talks about is how that experience and I had the same thing I'm sure you have with travel where he said you know I was in Japan and then I noticed they drive on the left side of the road and he said at first I thought well that's weird he goes and then after time I thought well maybe it's weird that we don't do that and Mm -hmm. then then he learned that they take a shower before they take a bath and he's again he's like that's weird yeah, so they get clean and then they get in the bath to relax versus getting in the bath and sitting in a pool of their own filth. <laughs> so he 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 credits his tra- and and it, I never had articulated it in my own thoughts that way but my experience in traveling to Germany when I was young showed me different ways of living and uh, taught my brain how to think in a different language and impacted me going forward. Um, and he describes the same thing, and he, but he did it, he, he explained it really, really well. And mm. from our conversations, I think you've had similar experiences. 
Yeah. Well, I had, I would say probably in, in Indonesia. <laughs> you know, when I got to Indonesia, uh, to Bali, I, I was shocked, you know, it's like uh, Asian culture is just so, so different compared to, um, you know, our Western culture. Um, and when I got there, I remember I, <laughs> um, so I got there during the night. Um, so I landed in Bali and um, so I, and I, I got to the hotel um, or to the, I don't know, it was like an Airbnb that I had booked the night before. And then um, the next morning when I woke up, I went to my host and was asking, hey, can I rent uh, one of your scooters? You know, because I just wanted to discover the area myself. Mm-hmm. And um, so the first uh, accommodation I had, there was like in the middle of rice fields. You know, it was like a very uh, traditional Balinese home. Um, I was staying with a the family there. And um, so they had all of these scooters for their guests. I thought, cool, you know, I'm going to rent one as well. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> and then, And then I... Uh, I also wanted to um, to attend some yoga classes, so I did some research um, um, online. So where where's the next place? Where can I go? You know, and um, so I um, so the guy gave me a, or the host gave me a, a scooter and said, "But have you driven a scooter before?" And I said, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." And I <laughs> and I actually had <laughs> driven a scooter before, um, but that was in Germany. And you know, traffic is very well organized there. So actually there's, you know, a rule for everything. Um, so, you know, basically nothing can go wrong there. Right. When you stick to the rules. Right. And, um, but then in Indonesia, it's a whole different story. Because um, first of all, you drive on the left side. I was, okay, so um, I was used to it because I, just before I flew when uh, before I got to Bali, I was in Australia, so I kind of got used to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but still, you know, I had never been, you know, on a scooter on the left side, so that was kind of new. And then the traffic there is just crazy, you know. There are basically no rules at all. <laughs> it's like there is no rule. The only rule there is is um, drive on the left side, but That's even it. that one is being constantly ignored by the people. It's <laughs> just, just a Big, big chaos. And when I got there, I was like, you know, in I was sitting on my scooter looking left and right and left and right, completely paranoid. (laughs) And people are also honking the whole time, you know. Um, But they don't honk like we would do in in Germany, um, you know, to tell somebody, hey, you made a mistake. But they're honking because they want to show you or want to tell you, hey, I'm here. But you know, there are million of millions of people <laughs> at the same time. So you have this constant honking going on. And I, it was just too much for me. I believe it. And I, you know, back then I thought, wow, how is this actually possible to drive here? You know, it's like and when there are no rules. And um it's like people, so when they you know, when they pull out um from oh, I don't know how to express it, but you know, when they you're on the road and then they come from the left and they want to, you know, um, also go on your road. So they, how do you say that? They turn into your they merge, road to merge. or they turn into the road where you're driving. Uh-huh. Yeah. Something like that. Um, they don't even look, you know, um, so they, they just do it. They don't care if there's somebody coming or not. Right. <laughs> like, how is this possible? But you know, it also worked. So, and that was like, that was so 
um, so fascinating to me. It was like, to me first, it seemed like this big, big chaos, mm -hmm. um, but it took me around three days to get used to it. And then you just go with the flow, right? So you don't, there's one big rule, you never look back, you just go. <laughs> just keep going. <laughs> go forward, just keep going. That's great. Um, and, you know, that is exactly the same thing. You know, you think you, you're used to the ways how you're, you know, how you have been raised. Mm -hmm. And um, so there, there's just this one one way of doing things. Um, and I think that was for me this, I don't know, like not an epiphany, but, you know, I thought, oh, okay, that is so crazy, but still it works. Yes. You know? um, so it, it has coherent in, in its own way, mm -hmm. basically. It's their system. And that's, that's I think that's a critical thing for travel is to have that willingness to be, it doesn't mean, if you, even having that attitude, you already have that attitude, but you can still be shocked and, and like, oh, this is very, very different. And then you adjust. Um, it, but yeah. if you don't have that and you're like, well, my way is the only way, then you will have a bad experience because you'll think this is terrible and these all these people, 100% of these people are wrong. <laughs> then you're not going to have a good time. <laughs> but it works for them, you know? Exactly. And yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm in, uh, I'm, uh, my, I'm in awe that you were able to do that because I had a, I had a similar experience in Sicily, except they they drive on the the right the the right side of the road, but it felt it felt very chaotic to me as well. Like at one point on the highway <laughs> driving past Palermo, there were three lanes in the highway, mm. but there were people were driving as if there were five. <laughs> 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 and I, I guess I have enough German in me that I was like, this is very upsetting to me. <laughs> like, you know, the alles in Ordnung, it was not happening. You know, <laughs> there's lanes and everyone's ignoring them. And, um, mm -hmm. but after, after a while, I got used to how it all worked and, and kind of, you know, going through roundabouts and made my way. And, uh, by the end, it was okay. But yeah, so. I totally relate to that. But ha having that, knowing that you're going to do a different place and things are going to be different, sometimes that's a little thing. Like, I've known Americans that got upset in, like, when I was in Germany, you have to, I went, my, my German host family, the kids wanted to go to McDonald's. I think they thought I wanted mm -hmm. McDonald's, but I, <laughs> so I didn't eat. But that's what's, what Americans want. Right? Exactly. They, <laughs> they assumed that. And then I just, I noticed that you have to pay for ketchup. And you don't mm, okay. have to pay for that here. And I was like, oh, that's, you know, and then it would just came into this whole discussion of like, you know, well, why, why is that a thing? And well, why is it free there? And, you know, it's like, oh, yeah. you know, so you just observing it. And sometimes there are little differences and when shops are closed or open and how people do things and how they eat and order food. And, um, but that's, you're not there just to see, you're not there just to get selfies in front of things. You're, <laughs> part of the travel is is having your brain shocked a little bit to the differences, yeah, yeah. you know. And also, you know, I think um, something that I've learned while traveling was that you need to stop comparing, you know. You need to stop comparing it to your own culture. Otherwise, you, you never get the full experience because yeah. you always think, oh, yes, you know. But, um, for example, if you order in an Indonesian restaurant something, 
it takes forever until it is on your table, right? Yeah. <laughs> it takes forever. And then um, you just need to stop thinking, oh, okay, but you know, when I order in Germany, it takes maximum 10 minutes and then it is you're in front of you. Yeah. No, it's just, um, it's not the way how it works there. So mm -hmm. people are, they, you know, they do the things in their own pace. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's funny, um, about a month or two into the lockdown here, everything was so different, you know, wh wh where we could go and what we could shop and we couldn't go out to eat and you're wearing masks. And I remember telling my sons at one point, I just had this feeling, the same feeling I get when we travel to a different country and things are different. Like we're in our house, but this is the new normal right now. Mm -hmm. And I, was, I found myself navigating the changes more easily than some people I was speaking with because in my brain, I started calibrating to this is, this is just, it's as, it's, as, it's, as, it's as if we had traveled, but we're, our house traveled with us. And this is how everything is here. <laughs> you order food online, your groceries and you know, all the things. And that mindset kind of helped me make my adjustments, you know, yeah. and it was because of travel. So. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's, you know, it is what it is right now. Mm -hmm. So Yeah, you can't change it. But. You can change it. And it's, uh, it makes everything harder if you compare it nonstop to how it was before. You know, mm -hmm. it's like, um, it is what it is now. It will, it will be better at yes. some point. But right now, you know, we have to deal with the situation. So. Absolutely. Complaining doesn't make it better. That's <laughs> exactly Exactly. So, well, cool. I just, I, uh, I wanted to just kind of go through some of your thoughts. I knew, we, I knew you'd have some good stories and um, any, I guess real quick, any advice you have on anyone who, who wanted to start learning a language from scratch, you know? Well, I mean, okay. So try to learn with somebody who is a native speaker. You know, it's like it all starts also with, um, with the right pronunciation um, and uh, because first of all, that makes it easier for you to speak the language, but also, you know, to understand the people, mm -hmm. um, trying to use, um, you know, material that reflects the real spoken language. Um, so for example, use audios and maybe use TV shows. And even if you don't understand a word, you know, in the beginning, but to familiarize yourself with the, with the language is the best you can do, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. um, and well, also don't be afraid to make mistakes. You know, it's like, um, I'm also learning, I started learning Dutch some maybe two months ago. And when I'm talking to my to my tutor, it's just a big mess, you know. It's like it's it's this big, um, it's like chaos, like where I'm using German, English, you know, some <laughs> Dutch words that I that I know. It's, it doesn't make any sense, you know. And my tutor is laughing a lot about yeah. <laughs> the really weird things I'm saying. Um, but you know, don't be afraid also to embarrass yourself a bit. You know, it doesn't matter at all. Yes. So nobody will judge you there. Exactly. Um, and um, yeah, you know, just try. Perfect. Then that's exactly about it. Too many. I know a lot of people that are saying, oh, "I'm gonna 
they feel like they have to get to a certain level before they start working with a tutor, and like that's what the tutor is there for, and that's what that's how they can teach you. And and I've even there's there's a website called themixer.com where you can go on for mm-hmm. free and talk to people in other countries that are trying to learn your language. So mm. I've been just trying to help other people with resources. They're like, well, I don't have the money to hire a tutor right now. Well, then go on the mixer and find someone that that you can do it for free. And um and if you don't have use Duolingo until you get to the point where you can say some basic sentences and they're they're not going to judge you because they're trying to learn English, you know. So um real quick story for you, you might you'll you'll find this uh amusing. There's a place in Pennsylvania where people are from and the people there call themselves Pennsylvania Dutch. Mm-hmm. And it's really a germ it's really a community of of German immigrants, but Americans didn't know the difference between Deutsch and Dutch. So the people still call themselves Pennsylvania Dutch, but they're really German, you know, children or grandchildren. Or grand- <laughs> Seriously? Yep. <laughs> I'm like, That's funny. oh yeah, I'm Pennsylvania Dutch, but it's Deutsch. And so. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, to be fair, it sounds quite similar. It does, yeah. absolutely. Uh, but I know some, I've met people that are very proud they're Pennsylvania Dutch, but they're really <laughs> Pennsylvania Deutsch. <laughs> That's hilarious. It is. <laughs> um, I knew you'd like that. Um, okay, fantastic. Um, well, then um, I think that's a. Good, I think that's a wrap. I just wanted to wanted to uh, introduce you to people and kind of talk about your stories and your philosophies about travel and you know it's okay in life if you. A lot of people feel burnt out about something and they don't see another way out and. You just like your trip to Portugal. You're like, well, I'm I'm not going to do this, and then you figured out the next thing and the next thing and the next thing, and you're going through life and and having adventures, and it's working out. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> thank you for everything. It sure, was a, was, was a lot of fun talking to you. It's fun too, as always. Like always. Is is yeah yeah yeah. V Emma. Um, yes, always a pleasure. And thank you for joining me, and um, we'll talk soon. Okay. Okay, well, thanks. Bye. Bye-bye. Well, that was a wrap with our time with Nadine, and I know that was super fun. So it was kind of a mix of things. I wanted to talk about, you know, having the courage to make career changes and having... Um, the courage to travel and and just jump out there and do things, and um, and then in learning language, and I think that was the kind of the common thread with with Nadine and her life is you know she's okay not knowing she's okay um, diving into things, and that has allowed her to do some really fun things and okay with things not always you know the idea of being able to travel and go on this pilgrims pilgrims trail and stay in hostels. You know, each one of them is going to be different in the situation. So being able to roll with the punches like that is opens up opportunities in life. And so, again, I've, many, many people have expressed to me that, oh, they wish they could travel, but they can't, they can't afford it because they think it would cost thousands of dollars. Because some people, you, you could make it cost thousands of dollars. Or you could, you could travel and you can do it in a very inexpensive way. So... Thinking through how you're going to do it, making a plan, even if it's a three-year plan, you know that, that's certainly something that can that can be done. And 
again, learning the language, I found I found Nadine through uh, preply.com, italki.com is another one. Um, so I'll I'll post some of those resources again on the um, the notes for this. So anyway, thank you so much for joining me for this. Um, again, go to carloblog.com to sign up for the newsletter. Don't forget to share, review, and let me know what you think. And in the meantime, don't forget to say yes to the things that are pulling you and calling to you and enjoy your journey. Thank you.